Hey NAIF ball fans, this is John Cooper with my co-host Corey Thorpe. We are here with Coach Thorne from Baker University out of Kansas. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you guys doing? We are doing absolutely wonderful. You know, Coach, uh, we just sent a tweet out before we started this recording. Um, you know, a fun fact I like to talk about when we talk about the Baker Wildcats is the first ever college football game in the state of Kansas was in 1890, and that game featured Baker and the Kansas University Jayhawks, and Baker came out on top of that game. So not only did Baker yes, play the first game in Kansas, but they won the first game. So that's always a fun fact I like to talk about. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, mean, I think if you go through our program and look at some of the early games, you'll see Nebraska on there, KU on there. It's, it's pretty interesting during that time period to, to get back and, and look at some of the opponents that we played. Coach, and I absolutely love looking at that history. Well, let's go ahead and spring yeah. forward to 2019, Coach. Uh, tell us how things are going with the program right now with summer workouts. You know, some kids elect to stay on campus, take classes, work out. How's it going so far for your staff this summer? It's going really well. Um, we, we have quite a few kids uh, that, that have stuck around and doing exactly that. A lot, a lot of kids in summer school. So uh, we, we've had right about 50, 50 guys uh, so far this summer, which has been great. And uh, uh, we just started a week ago. Last uh, Monday was our first day. So um, it's exciting. You, you get, you know, once we finish spring ball and, and uh, once spring ball concludes and, uh, you know, you give them a little time off, get ready for finals, take their finals, and then, um, when we got back last Monday, it was great. It was great to just see everybody. And uh, you, you spend so much time together throughout the year. And then when you have, you know, a two, three-week window where you don't see them, you miss them a lot. And uh, so it, it, it was exciting to get out there and run around and, and joke around with them and have fun, you know. Coach, I'm uh, just going through the, the Hart uh, South Division. Uh, we're Right after we get off the phone with you, we're going to be recording our uh, Hart South Division preview, and so I've just been going through the heart and and looking, and one thing I notice is is that you and your coaching staff are uh, kind of the some of the longer tenured uh, folks around around the South Division. Um, talk to me a little bit about um, what that does for y'all having having a, a coaching staff that knows each other that could finish each other's sentences. Well, I, I, I think it's, I think it's critical, you know, um, um, you know, that, that was one thing that we've been able to do around here. And one good thing that we do is, is a lot of our former players uh, become coaches and they get their start coaching with us. And, uh, it's so beneficial just because, uh, uh, you know, they, they already know the system and they've been through the system. So then you're just kind of polishing them on, on, you know, how to coach, how to deal with, how to deal with kids, how to recruit, uh, but as far as the system and what's being said, um, you know, I know defensively it, it's been huge, and, and each year, you know, as the scheme progresses, um, uh, you know, we, we've always re relied heavily on our players for input, and, you know, those, those are the guys that are playing the game, and, um, and those guys that, that continue to do that, and, and typically it's the kids on the field that that, that we're able to kind of grasp the next level as a player, and then as, as they come into uh, becoming a coach, it just transitions right right into to the next phase, and, and you really don't miss a beat. And uh, so, so that's 
that's been that's been really a great experience and um and i think the other part of it it, it, are the guys that have played at baker and um and that's a and that's a big thing because it's like you like you said earlier when we were talking you know nai football is a big deal to you and it's a big deal to me and it's a big deal to all of us and uh, and i think that that that's that's kind of the difference um in what you see as far as kids that have come up through the program and, and Baker University in general, it, it means something to us and we're proud to wear the helmet. Now coach, uh, you, you talk about uh, the kids that are that are staying and, and you're and you're looking at them and you're getting excited about that 2019 season. I, I just gotta ask, you've got a couple of signal callers here um, that I am sure that uh, you know, there's there's a little bit of rivalry here between a uh, couple of uh, rising juniors, Brandon Mueller and Marco Aganagua. Um, right. not, not gonna not gonna ask you to comment on the coach on the uh, on the quarterback battle, but uh, just talk about each of those guys and what they bring to the table. Uh, Brandon actually transferred out. Oh uh, goodness, I'm sorry. This winter, so after the fall semester, he transferred out. Uh, so so. He's no longer with us. Uh, as far as, as Marco, what he brings, Marco brings a lot of athleticism to the position. And, uh, and you know, his ability to, to ad-lib and, and extend plays uh, is great. So uh, what we've been working on this spring are just the fundamentals uh, of the position. And, and um, But when the lights come on and when the ball's in his hand, he has the ability to make plays. And, you know, as they say, some guys, some guys can, some guys can't. And, and uh, you know, Brandon was that way too. I, I, I thought Brandon was a very good player. And, uh, and you know, so, so we, were, we were fortunate to have them both. And, and uh, you know, it's been great. It's been great with Marco working with them. And, and we worked Sam Huckabee there as well, who, who was a great receiver for us a year ago. Uh, was a quarterback in high school. And, uh, you know, he's done well. So, um you know, I, I think it's a, it, it's exciting to, to get out and watch them play. But again, you know, a lot of it comes back to fundamentals and what we're trying to do. And, and um, so I'm excited to, to kind of see it play out through uh, fall camp and, and see where we're at uh, once we conclude. Coach, you know, Corey's hitting on your offense here, specifically quarterback. Well, I, I, I want to go two positions, two units first. Um, the one I'm going to get to later is the offensive line. But the first one is that H-back position you guys have. Um, when I was watching your the, the film against St. Francis, I, I keyed a lot on the H-back because, you know, the H-back can tell you a lot of what the offense wants to accomplish. And I noticed you guys like to uh, put him across the formation at the snap a lot where, right. you know, at the snap of the ball, you guys were very efficient at, you know, I called the play kick. And basically all it is is your offensive line's all blocking down. That H-back comes across the formation and kicks out the end. And then you guys would uh, do some play action off that and hit them in the flats, doing that same type of motion at the snap. But uh, can can you comment on what you expect from your H-backs this year and what you try to accomplish with them in your offense? Well, uh, the offense offense will be – will be a little bit different um, as Coach Morris left and, and went to uh, Missouri State. So um, so he left and said it'll be different. We're playing, you know, we're, we're continuing to play with an H-back for sure. Uh, we've added in a tight end. Um, I, I think that, that the person that you saw on tape, A.J. Todd, is a very dynamic player. Uh, you know, he, he is a very fast, very athletic, and strong kid. Um, so 
So we'll be doing some of that. We'll, we'll be doing some power scheme with it. We'll be doing some split inside zone scheme with it. Obviously, Nathan coming off of that. Um, but there will be subtle adjustments in, in, in kind of what we're doing. And, and I was always a big fan of, of getting that third man on the surface with the tight end and what that does to the defense just from being a defensive coordinator uh, for so long. And uh, so we've implemented some of that. And, being able to move him around from the age, from being on the line, and we've had other players step up tight end position as well uh, throughout the spring. Uh, that it, that excites me as well. So, um, you know, I, I I think you'll see you know a lot of that from us continuing on going forward. And, and uh, um, you know, I'm I'm excited to see what AJ can do. And AJ is also a running back, and and uh, uh, you know for one thing you'll see at AJ is when he catches the ball, when, when he has the ball in his hand, he can do some dynamic things. He's, he's hard to tackle. And uh, he's just a tough physical kid. And, and you know, I, I think getting the ball to AJ is going to be a priority. And, I, you know, I, I think more of that is, is a good thing for our offense uh, just, just because of his physicality. Coach, I, I definitely agree, and it was awesome hearing you uh, elaborate on that. Now, you, this is another thing I was going to hit on later, but let's go ahead and hit it now. This is going to be your version of the offense, if you know what I mean. In 2018, it was very balanced where it was 27 rushing touchdowns, 27 passing touchdowns. Do you plan on keeping that same balance, or do you plan to be more run-heavy or pass-heavy? Um, I, I, I would love balance, yeah. I would love balance, and, and you know, pretty much – what I wanted to do is solidify the run game to where, uh, to where there's different looks, whether we're running inside zone, outside zone, power scheme coming off of it, um, you know, and, 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 and try to mix up those looks and, and get uh, – we put a lot of effort on becoming more sound in the run game. Um, now we still have quite a few uh, threats at receiver, uh, which are exciting as well. And um, – you know, I, I guess the, the, the way I see it is um, I, I think first you want to be able to establish the run, and we put a lot of work into that and and, um, and not allowing people to drop back and, and drop eight into coverage and doing some of the things that they've done against us. I think especially with, with J.D. Woods at tailback, uh, you know, he's as good as I've seen, honestly. And, uh, um, you know, he's right up there with, with the best guys that I've ever seen. And... And so, um, you know, I, I think when you have a player like that, uh, to be able to solidify what's going on in front of them uh, is, is a necessity. And uh, still with the ability to get the ball out on the perimeter uh, because our receiving core, I love our receiving core, and um, to be able to spread the ball out and, and be able to, to attack the, 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 the center of the defense as well as the perimeter of the defense is, is what I think is key to to our success and what we're going to be able to do. But, but I think we have the ability to go inside, and I think we have the ability to go outside and over the top of people. And um, um, so that, that, that's, a, that, that's a lot to work with, and and, um, and, uh, and I'm just tickled about it. I mean, the work ethic that our guys have had throughout the offseason uh, was incredible. And, you know, we went through quite a bit during this offseason, but they were steady as a rock. And... Um, and, you know, that, that's just a lot of credit to those guys and, and uh, you know, their belief in the program and their strength in the program. And, and uh, I think this has a chance to be a very fun group to watch. I really do. Coach, I'm uh, going to go on the other side of the football a little bit here. 
Uh, y'all are losing a, uh, a couple of uh, linebackers, a couple of defensive ends that just seem to have a nose for the football. Uh, Keegan Schumann uh, went over the century mark with, with tackles, had almost two dozen tackles for loss. Um, Indy Allen uh, had almost 100 tackles. Um, then you've got your two, uh, two ends, uh, Sprayberry, uh, who had 20 and a half tackles for loss, and Landon Decker, who had 13 sacks as well. Um, just talk about, um, you know, uh, filling the gap, that next man up, what y'all have to do to, uh, to keep that defensive intensity up. Well, I, I, I think that the, the one thing that we've been good at for about probably the last 10 years is, is that next crew stepping up. And, um, uh, we lose, so, you know, we, we lose Landon, uh, Landon Decker, but then Jake Zyler steps up and he's looked as good as he's, as he's ever looked. And, and at defensive end, and I think he's he's gonna he's gonna be somebody that, that's going to cause a lot of problems. And Brennan Kellogg up the middle, you know, has been a three-year starter for us, you know, including this year coming back. Uh, Nathan Spain, Terrell Simpson, uh, Danny Ofa moved over from the offensive line. Um, and uh, linebacker-wise, we moved Marquise Adams, who played safety down. And Marquise is. Uh, Man, he's as good as I've seen as far as being able to read. And one thing that we talk a lot about is the processor. You don't have to be the fastest guy on the field, but but if you see it fast, um, then you're going to have opportunity to make plays, and we'll put him in position to make plays. Uh, Nathan Karski has had a, had a wonderful spring coming back, um, and so we've always been fortunate. You know, before Keegan and Indy, we went into that 17 season, and and unknowing a little bit, and it was probably about six, seven plays into the game that, that I saw real quick that we're going to be just fine, you know, because we lost two first-team all-leaguers and, and Akeem Francis and Cron Brown the year before. Um, uh, one guy we have back is John Rincon that, that uh, you know, playing that outside linebacker position is, uh, you know, he's dynamic, he's very intelligent. He's going to be where he's supposed to be, very coachable. Um, and, and he's going to be great. And, and we get the return of Grant Elston, um, who, in my opinion, could be a potential All-American. Uh, wonderful, wonderful football player uh, back from the safety position. Uh, Ivan Hollins will be his third year starting. Uh, we added in a corner, Bryson Briggs, that, that uh, um, is a very, very headsy, intelligent, quick, fast football player and physical. I love him. And, and Will Cox, who... Uh, um, who, uh, you know, we've been waiting on for a couple of years. Um, and, uh, you know, he's got, he's got the ability at, at six, six, one corner to be very, very, very good. And so, you know, looking at our defense this spring, <clears throat> I was very, very impressed with them. And, uh, you know, there, there's a, there's a long tradition of, of the next, the next guy stepping up and the next class stepping up and not missing a beat, and, um, you know, from what I saw this spring, I was very, very happy with what I saw. We're very fast, we're very physical, and we're very smart, and, uh, um, and so that, 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 again, has me excited, and, and, uh, and again, a lot of good kids, a lot of coachable kids on that side of the ball that are, that are, that are hungry, and, uh, um, and I'm excited for them. I'm excited to watch them play. Coach, uh, one thing I want to talk about is, uh, you know, at the end of the year, you guys play Evangel, 
and uh, that's a, that's a huge game. Last year was basically a first round NAI playoff game. The loser went home, didn't get to go. And uh, you guys won that game last year. Can you just give a couple words of playing Evangel at the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, essentially going through the entire South Division, you know, Mid-America is an improved team. They're going to be good. I can I can see that. Missouri Valley is Missouri Valley. They're always good. Uh, Central Methodist uh, was an outstanding team coming down. And then our last two games, Benedictine and Evangel. And, and so um, – by, by the time you get through our schedule and, you know, week in, week out, uh, you know, facing some of the teams that we face, I mean, you know, I could go through every team and, and, and talk about how they've improved and how they've gotten better. Um, and, and so it's, it's definitely a grind. And, and um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you know, going through and uh, Vangel's a very, very, very good football team. And, and um uh, they're they're physical. They play the game the right way, um, and uh, you know that that's really the last two years has been that way. And um, you know I think it was the same scenario in 2017 uh, for that final game. And and they do a great job over there of coaching those guys, and those guys play hard. And, and uh, you know I've got nothing but respect uh, for Evangel certainly, uh, as well as every other team in our conference. You know I've been around long enough to face them all for a long time. And, uh, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for each and every one of these teams that we'll play. You know, we posed a question on our social media, and our our listeners realized uh, we posted a question asking about the toughest conference. And the heart of America, specifically that South Division, was definitely mentioned a ton of times. But, Coach, I'm going to ask one more question, and then I'll let Corey wrap it up. And uh, our goal is to uh, get around and get to many games as we can. If we ever made it to Baldwin City, Kansas, what's your two top suggestions to eat there? In Baldwin City? Yes. Um, I would say uh, El Patron, for sure. Um, that, that would be the spot that I hit frequently. Um, you know, if we're looking for sandwiches, we have a... We have a couple good sandwich places in town uh, if, you're, if you want to, to, to do lunch or whatever. Uh, but I don't think you can go wrong with El Patron. It's, it, it's very good food, and, and they do a good job over there. It's right, right downtown in the main area, so you can't miss it. Well, Coach, I know one thing about, about us, too. We, we enjoy eating, so that, that'll have to be one that we, uh, that'll have to be one the, one that we get to. Um, we appreciate you coming on on the show uh, this afternoon. We wish y'all the best of luck in the in the 2019 season, and uh, hopefully we can get up there to, to Kansas one of these days. Well, guys, I, I really think I really want to thank you guys for uh, for for having me do this. I think it's great, and you guys keep up the good work. We'll do our best, coach. Thank you, coach. Hey guys, we just got off the the phone with Coach Thorin here, and. Um, that was a that was a good interview with with him. I I enjoyed it. One of the things, um, you know, sometimes you'll hear the coaches correct us on on folks leaving, folks staying that we're not real sure of. Um, sometimes, yeah, you know, the rosters aren't out yet for for 2019, so we're kind of having to infer some of this stuff. So if you hear a coach uh, tell us that someone got a got a red shirt for a senior season or someone's transferring, a lot of times that's news to us. Yeah, Corey, uh, you know, sometimes in the AI, just news travels around 
uh, pretty slow here. But, uh, you know, we had an awesome interview with Coach Thorne there. Um, Coach Thorne was a linebacker at Kansas University in the mid-90s, so a heck of a defensive-minded guy. He is now the head coach for Baker University after spending so many seasons there as an assistant. He's won assistant coaching awards, but he finally gets to ride his own ship there in Baldwin City. So a big part of what we're fixing to talk about for the Heart of America South Division preview is the Baker Wildcats. But, uh, Corey, let's go ahead and talk about some of the other teams there. So let's take a look at the 2018 standings. You had Baker, who finished fifth. They went 9-3. and three. They've got 10 returning players who garnered all-conference honors, uh, first and second team uh, combined. Evangel, who finished 17th in the nation, they went 9-2, and two, did not make the playoffs, um, and they have seven returning all-conference players. Mid-American Nazarene went 4-7. and seven. They also have seven returning all-conference players. Central Methodist, who went 4-6, and six, has three returning all-conference players. And Missouri Valley, who went 3-7, and seven, has six returning all-conference players. One thing that I'm really seeing is I'm looking over um, this division. It seems like there's a lot of parity in, in the all-conference selections. So... Um, I'm looking for, for those the, for those three that were under 500, uh, Mid-America, uh, Central Methodist, and, and Missouri Valley, maybe to um, make a, a little bit better of a show and get, get to or above 500, maybe give some of these teams a run for their money. Yeah, so we talk about their last season, teams you know in the middle of the pack to the bottom tier, um, one thing to know about last season with the Heart of America South is that it only had five teams in there, while the North had six. Um, so it was a, a little different schedule there, um, as far as you're, you're getting less division games. But uh, you know, Corey, as far as last season, you know, you just had the top two dogs there, and then you had Mid American Nazarene and Central Methodist. You know. A couple things go their way during the season. They're looking at a you know 500 record maybe, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see if maybe some ground can be gained. But you know we talked about it in the podcast just earlier that uh, you know Evangel and Baker that's the last game of the year, and it's going to be interesting to see because last year that was the playoff spot that was given to the South Division team. It's going to be interesting to see if that causes the same thing again. We'll definitely have to see. That's not an easy end of the season for Baker because the week before they, they play Evangel, they play Benedictine, the the reigning national runners-up. And if I'm remembering my um, my rosters correctly, Benedictine's not losing a whole lot. No, not at all. And that's uh, one thing that's interesting. Even though you're in the South Division, you play a lot of your northern teams. And, uh, you know... Take I think everyone in the heart of America, and I might have to be correct on this, has an 11-game season where you're getting play everybody, and then you put Clark University into the fold. You know they're joining the heart of America this year, and so it's going to be interesting to see if the Clark Pride makes some waves in there. Um, so you're getting a full 11-game conference schedule separated in divisions. So that South Division is going to be interesting to see. We know that Baker and Evangel our top dogs coming in. But it'll be interesting to see if maybe if a newcomer like Clark 
can make some rifts in there. Or if Missouri Valley sneaks from the bottom position, climbs away up a little bit. Uh, we've been hearing great things about Central Methodist this year. They had a great spring, very physical spring. Or Mid-American Nazarene. You know, we asked this question, Corey, about the toughest conference on Twitter. And uh, we probably should do an adequate poll for it. But uh, a lot of responses were, and you know, some were homerism, but some truth to it is the heart of America South. And that, that, that is a tough division. Just the heart of America of of top to bottom put together. That's a very tough conference. So we've talked a lot about Baker. We had the interview uh, with Coach Thorin there. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to go back over what Baker did. Let's let's go to their uh, let's go to, to their uh, rival there, Evangel, uh, Coach Heppola. Uh, we've spoken with him this year. He's in his third season. You know they're just starting to get settled in with their with their coordinators. Um, what stands out to me um, there is they've got three wide receivers that are that graduated. That's sixty nine percent of their total. Uh, receiving yards for the year. If there's anything that predicts future performance on offense, it's percentage of receiving yards returning. So that might be something to watch there for the Crusaders. You know, and uh, one thing we talked about with Coach Hepla is, uh, you know, their defense. Their defense was absolutely amazing last year. They were number three in NAI in sacks, number five in pass efficiency, number five in scoring defense. You know, it's just the crazy amount of stats. And, you know, one thing I don't have in front of me is their schedule from last season. But I'd like to say, Corey, you know, they racked up, I think, eight straight wins. And I think not one team scored over 21 points against Evangel. And those eight straight wins. Now, when they played Mid-American Nazarene, one of the blunders of their schedule. And this is why we talked about the middle of the pack. Mid-American Nazarene has shown that they can compete with the big dogs, and they took one down last year. They just need to put it together and be consistent. That is, should be the theme for them, is to be consistent and take care of unfinished business. Because they took down Evangel. Now, it's going to be interesting to see if they can do it the whole 11 games and maybe get that playoff spot. It wouldn't be surprising to see a middle-of-the-pack team climb the rankings and compete for one of those playoff spots. Let's look at Mid-American Nazarene. They've got a nasty three-game stretch they're going to Baker, playing Evangel, and then they go to Benedictine. Um, there, that's that's kind of nasty. One thing they've got going for them, they've got a lot of, of returning players, including their their quarterback Austin Blackston, um, who threw 21 touchdowns to only four picks. Um, you know, we talked about it in, in the playoffs. Uh, folks who don't turn the ball over gonna go gonna go far. So that's, that's definitely something to, to keep your eye on. Um, they also have a solid uh, front seven that's, that's coming back with a couple linebackers and, and D linemen that uh, return to, uh, uh, to the Pioneers. Well, let's talk about Jamar Moya a little bit in the backfield for Mid-American Nazarene, the kid from California. Um, he came in, he's averaging over 100 yards last season, and uh, that's credit to his offense line. You know, we talked about if you can physically hang with the big boys in the heart of America, you should consistently win those games. And if you have a running back that can average 100 yards per game, that's huge in the NAI because that shows me that that's a physical team that can maybe ball control a little bit. 
you know, and uh, keep their defense off the field. So it's going to be interesting to see. Mid-American Nazarene is definitely a team to watch. Now, Corey, tell us a little bit about Central Methodist. Central Methodist, um, and I hate to say this for all the Eagles fans out there, but I, I'm thinking that Central Methodist might take a step back. Um, they're, they're losing quite a bit of, of, uh, of players. Uh, they've only got the, the three um, all-conference Ameri- uh, all coming back. Um, and, and their schedule makes no... Uh, um, has has no room for them to, to really uh, get get much going there in the later part of the season. They play Benedictine, Baker, and Evangel back to back to back. Um, so that's going to be a tough road to hoe. They're losing their their quarterback as well, who um, you know threw for almost twenty five hundred yards, uh, as as well as adding five touchdowns on the ground. And they absolutely love to air it out. I think they were top ten in the NAI with uh, receiving yards. And uh, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see. We'll know for sure with uh, Central Methodist as they come and start out the season with Clark. That's going to be a measuring stick game to see what Clark has prepared for with their program, with their inaugural game coming out, and then Central Methodist to see are we going to take a step forward or are we going to take a step back? And it doesn't get easier after that. You know, no game's a gimme. But within the first four games, you know, you have Grandview in there. And then you have Graceland. Graceland, you know, has struggled here recently. But they have a new coach as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what that game's like. But, I mean, you know, you play every team in your conference in the heart of America. It's it's going to be – you're not backing away from the Benedictines, the Bakers, the Evangels. And uh, Central Methodist's schedule is very backloaded. So listen to this, Corey. Listen to their last four games. They have Benedictine, Baker, Evangel, and Mid-American Nazarene. Yeah. That's that's a pretty tough stretch right there. And, uh, you know, and then you got Grandview near the beginning. So these games against Clark, Culver Stockton, Graceland, William Penn, Peru State, Missouri Valley – they really need those games to you count. Hay. Yeah, you gotta get the momentum going for those last four games of the year. And I would be uh, remiss if I didn't mention probably their most famous um, recruit that has that has ever uh, come into Central Methodist, and that is safety Tony Harris, who has received uh, national uh, recognition, um, obviously. Uh, she is one of the few uh, females that has ever played uh, something besides special teams. So uh, I know I'm rooting for to, to, to show up and show out, and, uh, and and we'll have to see. But no, no preview of Central Methodist would be would be complete without. Oh, definitely. That. You know, she's five foot seven, so and I definitely think she could bring it. You know, you saw a little bit of her tape. She's got some ball hands. You know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the ball skills are there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And she, she's definitely going to get her opportunity on the field, I believe. And, you know, more, most importantly, to get a degree. That's that's great for the, the young lady right out of Los Angeles, California. That's one thing I really do love about the NAI is um, because of the fact that, that uh, of who you're recruiting, you can, you can take a, a – uh, Hate to say a chance. You you can you can take a prospect like Tony Harris, 
and see how it works out for you. And it really helps CMU because now they've had their name all over the news and the Today Show and everywhere now knows and has heard the name Central Methodist. Right, and, and another thing, I think it's she's bigger than herself, though. This gives a lot, it's, it's almost a role model-esque thing. You know, when I was growing up, the meanest person on the field was a girl that played defensive end in Pee Wee, <laughs> and she would knock the absolute fool out of you. So, I mean, nothing to take lightly there. And uh, so uh, we are eager to see what happens. But, uh, you know, talking about the South Division, we know there's only those six teams to go over. And uh, it's it's just going to be interesting. One thing I would love to see, maybe, is, uh, you know, the heart of America to allow their teams to maybe play a money game. Um, there's some Division Two schools, um, FCS schools from around the area to, uh, you know, where I, I understand in the NAI you want those conference games to assist with travel. It makes your travel budgets better. But it would be interesting to see maybe a uh, you know a William Penn to go play Drake, you know, or William Penn to go play just some FCS school somewhere out there. I, I know uh, I, I know more teams would love to do that, and I know it would be huge for the kids if they got to play uh, you know teams around the area. But, uh, you know, while I was at Faulkner, Corey, um, you know, they got to go play Sanford in Birmingham, Alabama. It didn't go well. It didn't go well for them. But, you know, you grow up wanting to play those big teams if you are at a smaller school. And uh, so that's that's one thing I, I would definitely, definitely love to see. So let's let's go over the last team that, that played last year, and then we'll talk a little bit about, about Clark. Um, Missouri Valley, um, you know, Paul Troth has been there for, uh, this is his 17th season. They've, they've got a, a mostly new coaching staff, though, so it'll be interesting. And I would like to say, history-wise, I believe Missouri Valley has one of the most interesting histories in the NAI. I think they have the most wins. I'm going to have... I, 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 we're going to have to fact check that. Somebody from Missouri Valley, send that over to us, because I do like to say you have the most wins out of every school in NAI history. That would be that would be something. I mean, you know, in, in NCAA, you never hear Michigan trot out the fact that they have the no most wins. Way. No way. So I mean, you know, if you got that, that's some, that's something that that you need to you need to throw out there. Um, I I think Missouri Valley's going to improve. They've got a lot of returning players, and they've got a lot of returning all conference. Uh, they they might sneak up and bite somebody. Right and. It's going to be interesting to see. Corey, why don't you go ahead and give us your predictions. What standings do you think these teams will finish in coming in 2019? I'm going to go Baker for the um, for, for the division winner to make it to the playoffs. Um, then I'm going to go with Evangel. Uh, so same, same, same top two there. Um, I'm going to say Mid-American Nazarene and Missouri Valley are going to be uh, I'm gonna tie them for third, um, and then I, I'm I'm gonna I'll call CMU to take a step back, and then I'll go with Clark at at the bottom. It is hard to start a football team. Uh, we looked at we, we saw it with Cincinnati Christian last year. 
um, especially if, if you're um, you know not not in a hotbed like like St. Thomas is I think I think they have a insane advantage at St. at St. Thomas for the fact that they're in Miami. Otherwise, unless you're in South Florida, Texas, or California, um, and you're starting an NAI football program, I think that's going to be a little tougher. So, Clark, come surprise me, please. I would love to see the football team making its maiden voyage um, just come up and, and, be, and, and uh, be a thorn in somebody's side. What about you, John? You know, Corey, I, th- I have the same order as you do. Except I'm going to flip Evangel and Baker. I have Evangel winning this Ooh. year. Strictly just because of defense. I, I think Evangel got out to one of the hottest starts last season to where they were a consistent top five team. And uh, I, I really do think they, uh, they take it over there. So for those of you that are keeping score at home, this is our second um, division preview. Me and John ain't agreed on one, on, on on either of these. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep these um, until the end of the year, and we'll and we'll see who the uh, uh, NAIF ball Nostradamus is uh, between us two. We'll we'll see what we what we get right who and um, and who and who ends up surprising us because there's always a surprise. Right, and uh, so Corey, let, let's go ahead and just end this on one question. Okay. Benedictine was the national runners up, but we had no idea that they would be, you know, the. Uh, we didn't have an idea that they would be at that national championship game starting the playoffs. Yeah, especially not you. Let me, let me, this last question. Do you think the heart, north or south, can get a team back to the national championship this year? Yeah. Yeah, I, I really do. Um, you know, Benedictine doesn't like, like I said, doesn't lose much. Um, they're gonna have the best shot out of it. I think. I think Baker has a really good shot as well. I mean, you can't just return ten all conference selections and not have a really nice season. Um, yeah, I think Benedictine has a great chance um, to to get there. Um, and, and to, at the very least make waves, get, getting to uh, semifinals. Um, I definitely expect a semifinal um, out, of, out of the heart, um, no, no question. You know, I, I'm, I'm with you there, and uh, I, I definitely think with those top three teams, you know, anything can happen, especially if they make it to the playoffs, because we said the heart is a grueling schedule, those 11 conference games. And, uh, you know, I think that really battle-tested them when they get to the playoffs. Um, so it will be interesting. Now, Corey, I said that was the last question. Last question, we're done. <laughs> okay. Do you think the South can get two teams in to the playoffs? Two teams in. It was really close last year with Evangel. Um, they were they were right right on the, uh, the razor's edge. Um... I'm gonna say no, and and here's why. I expect there to be more parity this year in the South than there was last year. You had two teams that were that were nine win teams, 
Um, and then you had three teams that were under 500. Um, they're going to beat up on each other a little bit more this year, I think. And I think you're going to see a lot more parity, and that's going to knock out a sec- uh, the ability to pull in a second team. Yeah, so I, uh, as much as I want to say yes, I don't think the conference does any favors or Baker and Advance will do themselves any favors, and I understand why it's the last game. But, you know, it's harder to recover when you lose the last game of the year. And, you know, making the NAI playoffs is hard if you're not a division champion. There's only so many at-large spots to go around. And that's one thing we will talk about on the podcast because uh, when it came playoff season last year, we had tons of players, even coaches, you know, messaging us saying, what's our chance to make it as an at-large? And it's hard to make it as an at-large. But anyways, for our listeners, please... As you're listening to us on these expensive iPhones, make sure that you uh, give us five stars on there. Even if you think we're trash, it's for the good cause. Um, you know, we're on SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere you can. Heck, we- grab your grab your mama's phone, grab your daddy's phone, grab your girlfriend's phone, grab your boyfriend's phone. Go on Apple Podcasts and rate us five stars. You know, Corey, if people can make ten different Google accounts to uh, keep PewDiePie for number one on YouTube there for a little bit. I'm sure you guys can help you know your own self out. But uh, for John Cooper, Corey Thorpe, we're signing out. Thank you.